a dedicated nurse and a very old hospital. This is the story of La Monja del Hospital Civil, the nurse in the civil hospital. Stories, folklore, legends, leyendas, cuentos y más. This is Spooky Tales. Listen, escuchen at your own risk. Hi everyone, I'm Christina. And I'm MJ. And welcome to episode 7 of Spooky Tales. If you're new, thank you for checking us out. We hope you stay. And if you're back for more, also thank you. We're very grateful to our listeners. For our listeners? To our listeners? For. Yes, for. For, my bad. We're very grateful for our listeners is what I was trying we to say. We can't English. <laughs> Sorry. No, I can't. <laughs> You can't Spanish either, but that's another good topic. Either one, yeah. Today's episode, we're going to cover a very well-known legend in Guadalajara, Mexico. It's the story of La Monja del Hospital Civil, uh, which would be the nun in or from? The nun in the general hospital? The nun, I don't, from? From? This is why I hate translating from Spanish Me to too. English, because a literal translation uh doesn't work in English. Um, I feel like this would be the nun in the general hospital. Yeah. Well, I mean, she is in it. Yeah, she's inside of it. Yeah. <laughs> in it. She lives in it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think we're right. And MJ is going to be sharing another hospital ghost story. Yes. From a family friend. Not my personal story, but from someone else. Thankfully, this time it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> And if anyone has ghost stories they want to send us or any creepy story, email us or DM us, please. Yes, I want to know everything and be spooky. Yeah, we want to know. We want to share them. Yes. Anyway, back to this story, though. La Monja del Hospital Civil. Um, first, just some info on this hospital. So this is like the biggest hospital in Guadalajara. This hospital is super old. Uh, the construction for the hospital began in 1787, but it wasn't open until 1794. And for many, many, many years, it was the biggest hospital in all of Mexico. Um, so this hospital saw, you know, pandemics, flus, many deaths, many um, patients, many, many patients. So, you know, with a hospital this old, there's going to be, there's always going to be creepy stories surrounding it. Oh, yeah. But this particular story begins in the year 1968. There was a woman named Sor Manuela Lozano Mendoza. It's <laughs> a long ass name. So she began working in the hospital in that year and she was amazing at her job. She was so amazing that in two years she became head nurse and after 24 years of a long career full of love and dedication to the sick and poor, Sor Manuela Lozano Mendoza <laughs> lost her. Should I not say her full name? No, I want to. Sor Manuela Lozano Mendoza lost her battle to cancer and passed away. <laughs> it's, it's horrible that we're laughing through this, but it's because her name is so long, not because she passed away. Not too long after her death, patients began saying that during the night, 
a very nice nun would come to their assistance, and many, many patients vividly recall having conversations with this nun. However, nuns did not do night shifts at the hospital. <laughs> so, there you go. It's a ghost. It's her. It's Sor, Man- <laughs> it's Sor Manuela Lozano Mendoza. <laughs> Back to this and ignoring MJ dying over there. One man, this is his story when he saw the ghost, the monja. Monja, oh my God, I said that weird. Anyway, he's, um, so he says, he recalls seeing the monja del Hospital Civil when his sister was in the hospital. His sister suffered a fall from like a second floor. And then after that, she was in a coma. And he says no one was giving him hope, not even the doctors. And one night he arrived uh, to take over like the shift of being with his sister at 10 p.m. And around 2 a.m., he went on a walk uh, around the hallway and when he returned to the room, he saw a nun at her bedside. And when he walked in, the nun quickly left with her head down. And after just a few seconds, he was like, oh, maybe she can pray with me for my sister. And he ran out to look for her, but there was no one there. And the strange thing is that it was only a few seconds. Like there was nowhere else she could have gone. Right. Oh. So he was confused and kind of scared, but not a lot. So he went to ask the nurses what was up with um, this nun. And then they began to ask him, like, where did you see the nun? Was it at the head of your sister? Was it at her feet? Where? And he's like, why are they asking me all this? But he told them at her head. And then they said to him, your sister will be saved. And he was like, what? How do you know this? And they said, well, many have seen the nun you just saw. And um, when she appears at the feet of a patient, this patient never makes it. it. They always pass away. But when she's seen next to the patient's head, the patient always survives. And he didn't believe the nurses because he didn't believe in this kind of stuff. But 15 days later, miraculously, his sister recovered and they went home. And he remembers feeling like a sense of peace because when he was at the presence of the nun and um, his sister is like, it's a clear example that the nun in the general hospital is real. That is, I mean, it's a, it's a feel good story. Yeah, no, this is, um, I mean, it's a ghost and so many, many, many people have seen her. So, but it's not a scary ghost. She's a good ghost. (laughs) Yeah. I'm down. I'm down for her to visit me if I ever end up in that hospital. Yeah, except you don't at want her head. at your feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want her. That reminds me, my great grandma says she saw her. Oh, tell, tell, tell. Yeah, so my my great grandpa, um, which we call them Mibelo and Mibela. Mm-hmm. So Mibelo was in the hospital for something, and Mibela um was just sitting there. It was nighttime, and she remembers that like a nun came, checked his vitals. <laughs> she had like a full conversation, like, "Oh, how how are you today? Oh, I'm good." Just a casual conversation, and then she left. And then later, my great grandma was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> there's no nuns at this hospital. What's <laughs> weird?" And of course, being from Guadalajara, everyone has heard this story. So she was like, oh, my God, I just saw the nun. But but she wasn't terrified <laughs> because she's a good ghost. Yeah. I'd feel, you know what, like if I had a loved one there, I'd feel a lot better if she like appeared. Like, n- no lie. I mean, it's scary to think about. But if she helps people, then, you know, bring me that good luck, nun. 
right? Um, and this is not to be confused. There's like there's a lot of um, non-hospital stories um, or nurse ghost stories, particularly from Mexico. So this legend, La Monja del Hospital Civil, is not to be confused with La Planchada. La Planchada is um, a worse story, which we should do an episode on too. Yeah, because not all nuns and not all nurses are good people. Yeah, so La Planchada is not a good ghost, but La Monja del Hospital Civil is. However, I do have one more story of hers, which sounds a little scarier, but most most witnesses, most stories of this hospital and this nun, they are good, except for this one. <laughs> except for this one. Maybe this was someone else, honestly. Maybe it well, wasn't this Well, you never know. Nun. I mean, if, like... What, what, when did you say this hospital's built? Like the 18, uh, 1800s, right? 1794. Oh, 1794. Yeah. Is when it was open. Yeah. So, I mean, she wasn't the only nun working there. Because, right, so. I mean, and like we said, like I said a while ago, like a few seconds ago, not all nuns are good people. Yeah. So, occupation, your occupation doesn't automatically make you a good person. Yeah. Which we all should know by now. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think. But anyway, yeah, right. I have one more story in this hospital. Okay, go. <laughs> okay, so a young lady named Fermina was feeling insane abdominal pain and asked her mom to take her to the hospital. And the closest hospital was El Hospital Civil in Guadalajara. So they went and she was admitted. She underwent surgery to have her appendix removed. And after the surgery, it was nighttime and she awoke herself. Um, she awoke to find herself in a different room. And again, in pain, and she looked up and saw a nun, and sh- this seemed out of place because the nun's outfit seemed really old. And she remembered hearing that nuns no longer worked at the hospital. So Fermina sat there watching the nun, and the nun stopped at every patient's bedside and prayed. And this happened um, about two nights in a row, and she asked the nurses about this, and the nurses just kind of avoided answering her question. Because they they seemed scared and, again, didn't answer Fermina's question. Later at night, Fermina went to shower. And at the shower, she saw a woman already there. But water wasn't coming out of the shower. It was blood. And the woman, had, the woman that she saw there had no eyes. Instead, they were just black holes. Mm-hmm. And uh, afraid, understandably. So she went back to her bed. She, like, booked it. And asked the patient next to her if she had ever seen a nun around. And the patient next to her was like, yeah, I see her praying for everyone. So they get better faster. But I don't think she's alive. And then Fermina was like, what? And the other patient was like, yeah, I mean, I don't see her walking between the patients. She's floating. And her face looks like a skull. And Fermina felt like she needed to know the truth after what that patient told her. So that night, she stayed awake longer and waited for the nun. And like clockwork, the nun came by and Fermina followed her. And she was shocked to see the nun floating. And the nun turned around and Fermina saw that it was just a skull. and There was no eyes, just eye sockets. Fermina was so afraid, she ran to her bed, grabbed her belongings, and dismissed herself early from the hospital. That I remember you uh, reading that. That is like... But I don't know if it's evil. It's just scary. You're right. You're right. Because, yeah, nothing evil happened here. Except the shower with the blood. It's it's scary. But, yeah, it's not evil, right? 
Oh, it's just like, I mean, she wasn't harmed. I, it seems like no, none of the patient was harmed. Though, granted, if I was in her shoes, I'd probably, you know, be scared. But I don't know. Maybe something bad happened to her and she's trying to prevent it because maybe she was murdered or something. Well, if we're talking about Fed or Sor Manuela Lozano Mendoza, she's the alleged monja in the hospital now. She passed away from cancer. What if it's not her? What if it's like another nun that was murdered there? That's true. We don't know. There could be more. Because However, I don't know. I Researching this hospital, I couldn't find a story of a, a nun that was murdered there. When did the uh, La Guerra de los Cristeros, where they burnt all the, um, like a, a crap ton of files? If, if I don't remember the date, I believe it was like 18 something. But if it happened then, then... Any history, I mean, it, it was in Guadalajara, which was a pretty populated area at that time there. So, which means war would have been brought there. And I mean, I don't know, I guess we'd have to research if, uh, during war times if that hospital was affected. And if it was, we could be, there could be several ghosts that we don't even like know the history of. We're like, everybody's calling it one una monja, but it could be like maybe multiple. And especially yeah. if she was killed. Because La Guerra de los Cristeros is when the, the government, was it the government and the, the church were, like, at war, right? Mm, like, isn't that, I know nothing of this. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't that why it's called Los Cristeros? Because it was, like, I think the Catholic Church trying to keep hold on the Mexican government. And C.S. Monja, I mean, she's obviously, you know, Catholic. So it occurred in 1929, and it was mostly in Central and Western Mexico, where is Guadalajara? <laughs> Isn't it central? I have no, I don't know geography, but I mean, it's possible. We're like missing a huge chunk of history. So it looks like there was some sort of, some battles that occurred in Guadalajara. It could totally be, or she could have been like, you know, like I said, either her history, the history of uh, the hospital was destroyed or some parts were, or La, Mon La Monjita, uh, there, you know, the one that they see with the skeleton and floating, could have been one of the, you know, someone that was attacked during the Cristeta War. This is interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, apparently there's giant tunnels in Guadalajara that, that um, enabled people fighting in the war to, like, travel unseen. Oh, I bet those are haunted. We're, like, way off track here, but this is interesting. I do remember seeing a video, a YouTube video with uh, legends about Guadalajara, and something mentioned those tunnels, so perhaps another episode. Yes. <laughs> Guadalajara is, like, one of those – is it a big city? I don't – I've never been there. Yeah, it's huge. But it's, like, it has so much stuff going on. Almost every single corner of that city is, like, oh, this is where – this ghost happens or this is where that appears or something. Yeah. To go back to La Monja and the story of Fermina and her encounter with La Monja, most, like, again, if you search the story and then you look through comments, um, whether it be on Facebook or YouTube, just any social media, there's so many people that say they saw her, but she doesn't appear to look like a skull or, or, be fear like something to be f to fear like she looks like a normal person that's why so many people accidentally have conversations with her and it's not until later they find out there's not even nuns staffing the hospital yeah because that, that that doesn't happen anymore yeah so that's why i'm um now i'm also inclined to believe that maybe fermina saw a different nun that yeah. wasn't 
because it's the not nice consistent one. with the other sightings. Yeah, but I mean, then she was scary—the whole like blood and skull and not having eyes. But she didn't do anything evil either. So, well, that is how. Um, going back to uh, indigenous culture, uh, that is how we perceive that dead people would look like, like um, you know, Dia de los Dia de Muertos, not Dia de los Muertos. That's a common mistake. Yeah. But it's Dia de Muertos. You know, when people dress up, they dress up in their normal clothing, but uh, they paint a skeleton face. Maybe it has something to do with that. Like, not the thing, but maybe they're on the right track. Like, our ancestors oh, were on, you know, like, hey, you still look like a skull, but you're dressed nice. Right. Yeah. Because Fermina, the way Fermina saw her, she looked like a skull, but she had her, what's that outfit called? Like, the nun outfit? We'll just call it a nun outfit. She had that on. But during the day when people see her, she doesn't look like a skull because they have full on conversations with her. That is weird. Right? Because it's, it's not consistent with the other sightings. But if you take in like our culture and the way that we think we might appear to people and the way that death is viewed in Mexican culture is uh, uh, Katrina type, you know, like you're right. in the regular clothes, but you're a skeleton. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's the same person. Maybe it's not. But yeah, it could be two different nuns. Either way, like if she appeared, I would feel much better if she appeared out as a regular person because even same. like, like I said, like the story isn't particularly, she didn't do anything. I'd still be running for the hills if I saw that. <laughs> I, like Fermina, would discharge myself early from the hospital. Like, not today. <laughs> not today, Satan. <laughs> right? Yeah. Let us know what you think. Did Fermina see the same nun everyone else saw, or was it a different nun? I want to know people's thoughts. And also, whoever's brave, please go check it out and send us some video. Please. <laughs> um, I mean, I have family still in Guadalajara who's been there. And only Mibela saw the nun. Nobody else has seen her. So I never heard of this story, so this is all new to me. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is the um, the legend of La Monja del Hospital Civil. Let's go ghost hunting one time. <laughs> With thirty, I'm not people. gonna go ghost hunting. Fuck that. Yeah, I will not. You will not catch me doing that. <laughs> Unless it's during the day with 30 people and post-COVID because you can't gather 30 people right now. So can you imagine all 30 people in the hospital six feet apart? Oh, but do you, now that we brought COVID up, this is a perfect segue into your hospital ghost yes, story. it is. I will be sharing a story today that happened earlier this year during the first wave of the pandemic back in March 2020. Because we're in... 2021 now oh my god okay so it happened to a family friend and i will not be sharing his full name as he is a doctor and he does sometimes appear on news channels to give updates on the state of the pandemic not only that but it does involve his friends and staff and i don't want them to be impacted by this so we will keep everyone's name anonymous for now we will call him dr m now for some background on dr m's family that i deeply believe will come into play later. His mother was a very devout Catholic. In her youth, she wanted to become a nun and went to live at an early age at a convent. She ended up meeting Dr. M's father. She ended up leaving the convent and got married by church shortly after. 
And for clarification on the Catholic religion, which she is from, nuns and priests are allowed to leave. They're not excommunicated. They are allowed to um, resign their vows and live a regular life afterwards. So she continued to um, to be a devout, you know, a devout Catholic even after she married. Which again, we go back to the nun theme. Yes. Yeah. Weird. But I'm here for it. When Dr. M opened up his own family practice, if any of his patients were having difficulty, she would be there in his office praying her rosary on behalf of the patients. It didn't matter what time of day. If Dr. M had an emergency to attend to at 1 a.m. or 4 a.m., she would be there to help and to pray for her son's patients. She would not leave his patient until they were well enough to go home. She would help him around his uh, family practice in any way possible. All in all, she was a very kind woman. Even after she left the convent, she continued to help people, which I am assuming also had a huge impact on Dr. M's life as he ended up becoming a doctor. Sadly, she passed away many years ago. Dr. M has been on the front lines of this pandemic since it began. When it broke out in late February, early March of 2020, he was one of the many doctors that volunteered to help, and he ended up getting COVID himself. Unfortunately, he was not one of the lucky ones. He was in a coma, on oxygen, and started having organ failure. His colleagues were the ones that were helping him and attended to him. It must have been incredibly difficult for them as they were seeing their friend and their mentor in, you know, dying. Like, right before their eyes. Yeah, that's scary. They turned the entire floor he was in into a makeshift COVID ward for the most severe cases. The entire floor he was in, to this day, is uh, is quarantined and still in use as the pandemic rages on. It was where the most serious COVID patients were put in. No one's allowed to enter unless they are workers, and security is extremely tight. In order for a person to enter... They have to go through security, the front desk, and the nurse's workstation. So it's like three sections that people will see you if you enter. Not long after Dr. M tested positive for COVID, he falls into a coma due to complications. He's on oxygen, breathing tubes. He's getting as much experimental treatment as possible. Because again, this happened very, like literally when the whole world shut down. At that time when he got COVID, nobody knew anything. Nobody knew how to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, there's still so much unknown, but back then, oh, it was like, yeah, he was, he was a, he was a guinea pig. So he's unable to breathe on his own. He's like fighting for his life. So one night, two nurses were making the rounds together, and they see something that they cannot explain. There is a woman sitting at the feet of Doctor M's bed, watching over him and what looks like praying. They never see her face, and she has her back turned to them. The nurses are confused because aside from medical personnel, this is a COVID ward where people are suffering and the staff can, all they can really do is just ease their symptoms as they die. It was like the worst severe cases, like the no hope where you're just here to be comforted until you pass. There aren't any healthy patients getting up and walking around. Um, The only people who are able to be up and about are nurses and doctors of this ward. So they're confused about what's going on. One, she clearly has no PPE and is dressed as a civilian. Two, she wasn't a patient. Three, she wasn't a coworker. Four, it was late at night and the hospital was closed, so nobody's even al- you know allowed to enter at all. 
So who is this person and how the hell did she get in? They go to the front desk and ask if anyone has come through. And everyone in the front desk is explaining that to them that the door hasn't even opened. Damn. And, they're, and you know, the front desk is like, what are you talking about? Like, nobody's come in. Nobody's come out. Like, nobody should even be up there. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just us. Like, it's been us for hours. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so they go back. The, the two nurses go back and check on Dr. M's and the woman is gone. She's, you know, they do a full check on the floor and they find no one. No one knew how she got in or how she got out. No one can explain it. You know, like everybody's confused because the security didn't see her, the front desk and nobody at the nurse's workstation. There's only one explanation. Mm hmm. So, yep. So she was seen two more times by other staff and some, some, I think the same nurses too. And sitting in the same position, you know, at the feet of his bed. You know, it didn't happen just once. Yeah. Several weeks pass and Dr. M pulls out of the coma. He is slowly able to breathe on his own, slowly begins to be able to talk again. He's able to move again. For about a week after he had woken from his coma, he's still on the breathing tube. So he's awake and he's on the breathing tube, right? He can't talk. And once he is, you know, like, a, I think a week after he woke up from his, the coma, um, the nurses his and his staff, his old co- ex-co-workers, is that how you call it? Because he was in, he was I, think so. I don't know, yeah. but like his, his staff was like, who is that lady that visited you, visited you multiple times? And he was like, what are you talking about? I heard no one. I heard nothing. I saw no one. No one has come to visit me. And he was like shocked. Like he was like, there was a woman. Like, what are you, you know, he was And on top of that, like, I also find it kind of silly because he was in a coma. So how on earth is he going to like be conscious enough to, to know, but you know, I guess maybe they were hoping that he somehow could hear something because some people in comas do hear. Yeah. So maybe that's why, but so they were asking him because, like I said, sh- this woman was seen multiple times by the same two nurses at first and other staff members. And was it um, only at his bedside that she was seen? Yep, only okay. at his. So no other patient, just his, in the same spot while, you know, he was unconscious and she's just sitting at the feet of his bed, like looking at him uh, and her back turn towards you know whoever like came upon his room so i'm guessing she's turned away from like the door or something but no one ever saw her face yeah no one um yeah like no details to be like oh it's this person she looked like this you know no it's just her back was turned at all times like whenever anyone saw her no one was able to like see her face every other patient that was also hospitalized at the same time have all died Except for him. He was the only survivor. And wow. I think he was in the in that like ward for like two months. You know, one month like dealing with COVID and then it gets serious. And I think he was two months um recovering. And all those people within those two months, no one survived but him. Wow. Looking back now, does he does he have any idea who it might have been? Like what ghost? Does he oh, well, believe we're, this we're gonna ghost? get into that. Yeah, okay, I have questions. <laughs> well, not exactly him, but I'll, I'll get into it a little bit later. 
Okay. So he's still dealing, by the way, with COVID complications till this day. And um, he tells me, like, he's dealing with, you know, like, with trauma and with health effects from COVID. So my mom and my grandma knew um, his mother, Dr. M's mother, pretty well. And they believe it was his mom because she was always known, again, to be praying over sick patients she was that was what she was known for everybody was like you know my mom was like that sounds like something your mother would do that so she told him and I guess now he's like you're right you know but at the moment he was like he was like he didn't think of it and then my mom was like that that sounds like your mom she did the exact same thing when you first opened your family practice so she she prayed over him and she protected him even in death she became his guardian angel that's what we believe anyways (laughs) Amazing. I believe it now too. And he doesn't remember it like at all. Any of this, his coworkers do. He's in shock by it because these are medical, you know, personnel, very, how can I say it? Very critical. Very sciencey. Yeah, very sciencey. <laughs> and um, very ghosts are not real. And on top of that, like, they're, People saw that, you know, it wasn't just like one person seeing it at a time. It was multiple people people at the same time. Yeah. So he's still like shocked by it. So yeah. So this time, instead of praying for Dr. M's patients, like she would, she prayed over her son. He should have died. Right. I mean, you said everybody Everybody in that that ward. Again, the people who had COVID went to die. I mean, it's very grim way of saying it but this is this is true that they went there just to be comforted you know to be eased of their symptoms yes they try to do something about it but when you're hit with something you don't know how to deal with you can only do so much right so he should have died for whatever reason he didn't um it is widely believed now that it was his mother who the staff saw if this is true, it was his mother protecting him. Then it goes to show that, you know, even in death, like, mom's love is there for you. Oh, for sure. And not only that, like, our ancestors truly are there. You they're, know, yeah, us. they're protecting us. Because, you know, they say um, when you're going through something difficult or life-altering, you call for your ancestors to help you. And, you know, Dr. M's is Catholic and his mom is Catholic. That's something that we believe. We believe that. You, you tell your ancestors, pray for me in death, and they do pray for you in death. So, I mean, maybe it has some valid points to it. Yeah, or protect you. I firmly believe that. Like, it just goes to show, like, that love never dies. For sure, yeah. That is one thing I, I 100% will never dispute. Because that, I mean, like, our ancestors, thank God, I feel like they truly blessed us sometimes. Like, there's been times that I'm like, something should have happened. But I'm pretty sure it was my ancestors praying for me. But anyways, yeah. yeah and I would like to say that, like, point this out. He is a doctor. And he, it, is, it was very, looking back at everything, it was very important for him to survive. He is speaking out on the horrors that have been caused by COVID. He's very involved in ending the pandemic. He's doing what he can. He's also taking the big job that is going against politicians, which right now... Is yeah. huge. Um, so, you know, his mother, bless her soul, she knew that he had to keep on living. And, you know, she knew that his job, which has always been to care for other people and save lives, she knew it wasn't done. 
His job on this world was not done. But I hope you enjoy the story. It is a very feel-good story. I know both of them actually are. Ghost stories have a really negative connotation to them. And these two stories that we've gone over have been very feel-good. Very yeah, good. yeah, these are good ghosts, good ghost yeah. stories. And which is like, you know, synchronicity because it goes back to the nuns and to overall good ghost stories. Yeah, it's a big change from um, the last few things we covered that were like just really evil, like the yeah. white people and shadow people. I I like this. I feel like this is like a lot of positivity and I love it because we don't hear that very often. I'm all here for a good, a spooky story. Yeah. It makes me feel all warm inside. <laughs> right. But yeah, that's, I think that's it. So I, you know, tell us your opinion. Was it his mom? I think it was his mom. I am. I agree. Convinced it was his mom. Did we pick a topic for next week? I can't remember. I have that long list that I keep adding but, to. Uh, el, el Padre Sin Cabeza. Ah, yes. So next week, we'll be talking about El Padre Sin Cabeza. This is a legend from El Salvador. I never heard of it, but researching La Siguanaba and El Cipitillo, he always came up and I was like, what is that? I want to know. Yeah. I and wanna... El Padre Sin Cabeza translates into the... the Priest without a head. Yes. Or I was going to say the headless father. I, is Yeah, the headless father, but not father as in dad father as in priest <laughs> the headless priest then yeah yeah so that's what we'll be talking about next week el padre sin cabeza the headless father from el salvador um thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week bye <laughs> bye